0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Opinion or Opportunity. I am your host, Don Gringo. So today I have a uh, very special guest. We went uh, a little longer than usual, so you'll have to bear with me, and I want you to listen to the whole interview. But today we are interviewing Naresh Visa. He is actually the best song author of Trump book, How Digital Liberals Silenced a Nation into Making America Hate Again. He's also the founder and CEO of Chris Media and Marketing and host of the Work From Home show. Now, this gentleman has a lot more, and I mean a lot more uh, accolades and uh, things that you need to know about him. He's definitely going to be in the description below. I also have links to some of the other work he's done, some of the interviews. Uh, You definitely want to take a look at this gentleman. Um, What makes this so special, obviously you clicked on the thumbnail, is it's kind of interesting. He's He's a Democrat who have liberals constantly coming after him. And I think it's more and more today, and it's astounding. But I think if you listen to the interview, me, who I classify myself as independent, um, I have more progressive and liberal social ideas, but I find myself conservative on a lot of our freedoms and things of that nature. Um, I find it quite interesting that we can't have conversations like this more often, and this is part of the problem with you know, current progressives today is you can't have these conversations without fighting, and me and this gentleman, we did. And even at the end, you're going to hear, I don't call him a Democrat. I don't think he is, and I'm sure he's going to watch this, and he's going to look at me and shake his head someday and go, you know, I'm still a Democrat. And hey, listen, and I appreciate it. I appreciate Nuresh, everything, the conversation, I hope we can have it again. But I'm still going to tell you, I don't think you're a full-fledged Democrat. I think you, like, you, like we talk about in, in the interview, I think you are an educated, independent with progressive ideas like myself. And But you have some conservative tendencies for fiscal responsibility and stuff. And we get into this conversation. So you need to stick around. You need to watch it. And let me know what you think. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Yeah. So let's start off with, why don't you introduce yourself?
1: Sure. My name is Naresh Vissa. I'm the best-selling author of the book, Trump Book, How Digital Liberals Silenced a Nation into Making America Hate Again. Founder and CEO of Krish Media and Marketing. That's a digital marketing agency, full service, as well as the startup real estate investment firm, Krish Capital, which focuses on single-family real estate investing. Host of the Work From Home Show podcast, started it in March of 2020, and now have close to 13,000 listeners worldwide. In the year 2020, I was attacked by the radical left after being featured by several national media speaking out against Marxism and socialism. And so uh, I'm sure we'll get into some more details and in depth about the attacks that I faced uh, on social media, in person, digitally. Uh, I even had to contact authorities about a death threat I received uh, and uh, I'm willing to to um, expose the radical left for what it is. And I'm not going to back down. I'm looking to fight for freedom and liberty and the U.S. Constitution and what this country was founded on. And I'm not afraid of it.
0: So let me ask a question because I, I think we need to start off um, – and we've talked about this not that long ago. But let's, let's, let's start off with the beginning. The beginning is though for you is quite different. Um, the left considers you right, but are you right?
1: I, I didn't think I was right. Uh, so by right, we mean on, on the political spectrum. I'm right. actually yes. socially and uh, fiscally federally liberal. Uh, my, 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 I was kind of raised in a libertarian education, libertarian ideas, the philosophies of F.A. Hayek, Milton Friedman, um, and uh, Ayn Rand. The, the, one of the first huge books I ever read was The Fountainhead, and that led me to read Atlas Shrugged in 1984, which is really, really good books on classical liberalism, which John Locke talks about, which again, John Locke was a huge influence on the British form of, of capitalism and what ended up becoming the U.S. Bill of Rights and Constitution. And so I consider myself to be a very liberal person. I don't judge. I'm open minded to all types of people, all ideas. But that's not good enough for today's. Today's left, the modern, the neoliberal is very different from the classical liberal. The so, so
0: before we get there, so yeah. you're a classical ribble. so we're going to call you more along the line of an originalist, right? Uh, in philosophy?
1: Yeah, an originalist, and and you even said for, for those who are new to these terms, because there might be some people lost, you know, what are you saying? You're ta- naming all these people who I've never heard of. Look, uh, to put it in easy 2021 20, language, I'm pro gay marriage. I'm pro any marriage. If you want to marry your computer desk or your computer. Go right ahead. That's what makes you happy. Go right ahead. Well, (laughs) but look, it's not my business. That's, that's, that's up to the individual and the person that they're marrying. And so, uh, I'm, I'm very liberty oriented in, in that sense, socially liberal, uh, how I raise my own kid and how I treat my own family it might be different, but I believe each person is different and they, des- they deserve to make those choices as long as they are not harming other people and it's, it's not a, a, just a super negative effect, ripple effect on society. Be my guest. Do whatever you like. Federally, so would you
0: consider yourself socially liberal but fiscally conservative? I mean, I mean no. no. So you so don't believe personally- that you should be able to pay for what you're trying to do?
1: That's a little different so um, no because
0: because if you look at a state like California, which is the fifth largest economy in the world then they have they're on the verge of crashing from debt and companies leaving. I mean once you turn around and throw debt into the equation, they're not as strong as they appear on paper.
1: I'm absolutely fiscally conservative when it comes to state budgets, municipal budgets, but when it comes to the federal budget, we're talking about a very, very different monetary system than what a state has. The federal the, the federal government has access to resources, to printing presses, to the world reserve currency, which a state like any state, any of the 50 states don't have access to. So I'm actually open, again, the liberal side of me is very open to these ideas. And this is largely because I got my butt handed to me uh, by listening to the uh, Kind of Milton Friedman libertarian concepts
0: of yeah, inflation know, I, which I, I never look, happened I look, at that, I look at that 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 no and I hear, no obviously we've talked in the past and I've said on my show I'm I'm married to a first generation immigrant Reincarnar whole of Mexican I I am very when it comes to social issues I am uh, I am more liberal I I believe that no when it comes down to social issues we should always be trying to move forward but the problem I have with Today, and especially with a lot of these stimulus packages, is when you look, and I'm not talking just the one they currently pass, but when you look at the total amount of money in circulation today, 37% of the money in circulation was been printed in the last eight months, which mm-hmm. leads us down a path to inflation, uh, high inflation.
1: That's uh, what you think. That, that, that's what you think, and that's what I thought in 2008, 2009. So what did I do as a college student I asked my father, I said, can you give me some money so I can invest in gold and inflationary uh, asset classes? And like I mentioned earlier, I had my butt handed to me uh, because the inflation did not, the, the mass inflation they were talking about, and gold is a good barometer for that. It, it, it never came. And, and, and all I'm saying, look, I run my own business and I've seen the deflationary pressures that the economy, the global economy faces. So I'm actually on the deflationary camp because technology is catching it. Technology is the most deflationary invention ever created. If you look throughout human history, yeah, and but technology. I, I
0: can't, I can't, I can't see inflation not happening. And, and if you're looking at it from a world aspect, because you keep saying world economy, you know, um, in the next five, ten years, China passes us, and China's going to you know pass what? us. China's going to pass us, and there's no way to stop it because they have one thing we don't have, which is people they have a larger number of people so mm-hmm. when you talk to- when soon as their market beats ours there's no way for us to compete on the same scale because we don't have the same amount of people that can buy stuff they gonna have the same amount of people that can produce stuff we don't have the same amount of land that they do i mean there's just a, a lot different so when you talk about it there's a lot of other um aspects that have to be taken into play when you're talking about world economies, because there is no doubt about it. China is going to be this. Everyone thought back in the day, England was going to reign. And then look, England does not reign the Supreme any longer. Um, It hasn't for quite some time. So no, no empire lasts forever. And I'm not saying someone who served in the Marine Corps that I'm not pro-United States. I'm just looking at it from a logical um, place we don't manufacture here in this country no more. They have all that. Um, they have a larger amount of people. Um, they can stop producing and buying their own stuff. They play with their own money that ways we don't. So uh, I just look at it. Maybe you just bet on the wrong time frame, but I think in this case, inflation's a, inflation's gonna happen at some point. There's no there's no doubt about it. Where
1: well, in inflation oh, over a thirty year period. Uh, or over any period, of course, you're going to see inflation, but this mass inflation that people like Congressman Ron Paul, Rand Paul, and Peter Schiff, and these uh, somewhat fiscally conservative economists have been calling for, it just just never happened. Again, just look at the price of gold. Now, with that being said, I am extremely pro-cryptocurrency. In fact, I'm heavily invested. Instead of doing gold this time around, I heavily invested in crypto and so far the dividends have paid off and I'm long crypto. I think uh, crypto is is a good and by crypto I mean bitcoin or mm-hmm. maybe some crypto related stocks like uh, one of the biggest crypto miners in the world MARA, uh, a few other stocks that I'd recommend but um, I think over the next 20 to 25 years crypto is going to continue to take off as the price of bitcoin goes up and as companies and governments and the world accepts crypto as a form of 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 value or sorry a form of payment and a storage of value
0: so the problem i have the problem i have with that and the problem i have with a lot of this money i, I know i got 10 years on you and of course i've talked to people who are a hell of a lot older than i am but money isn't worth anything
1: it's paper not, money is not
0: digital money is not worth nothing but what the banks say it's worth period there's nothing hard about it there's there's not enough gold in fort knox there's not enough gold anywhere to to to, uh uphold what we have when we went off the gold standard we we shot ourselves in the foot period the end i mean even texas in the past five years has turned around and started doing their own kind of fort knox we'll say for precious metals and stones and things of that nature If, if and i just did this with daniel miller um, you know, if, if Texas were to leave tomorrow and form its own government, which, you know, obviously Texas has been talking about for quite some time and they've had their own money, it would be worth more than the U.S. dollar, period. Probably.
1: Oh, definitely. And, and by the way, I do predict that in my lifetime, not my parents' lifetime, but in my lifetime, that a state or a group of states will leave the union and, and secede. And I think the first one will be Texas. And I think it'll do it alone. Texas is ready to do it. But the problem right now is Texas is facing a crisis where it's becoming more and more bl- – it's becoming bluer. And and that's
0: it's, not true. This is the problem with politics and, and people who think they're, they're big on politics. Listen, you can carry all the major cities you want. And if you really look at Texas, it's the Texas triangle. You can carry Houston, Austin, San Antonio. And I'll give you four. And Dallas. But Texas is so goddamn big. It's like Pennsylvania. You got Philadelphia – right? And you got uh, Pittsburgh. Those are blue. Everything else is red. So if all the if all you Democrats want to come to Texas and go to those cities, go ahead. You're still surrounded by red, period, the end. And here's the kicker. Texas has a uh, simple majority rule. So if Texas wants to leave, Texas can leave by just over 50% of the vote, period. And There's nothing nobody can do about it. Well, so, I'll tell you
1: this, uh, one, so, one of the issues, I, look, I, I'd i love for Texas to stay red, but if you look at the uh, the recent results in the in the election, Trump carried Texas 52%. This is the smallest amount that a Republican has carried Texas, um, a, a, yeah, Republican loser has, has carried Texas in my lifetime. I don't well, know if we well, go here's, back.
0: Here's, here's the thing with Trump, and I've said this in all my political videos, okay? I look at Trump like I look at 2016. You gave me the worst options across the board, and they did it again. The only thing Trump did this time was he was actually president and he ran his mouth. As much as some good policies he had, he he just couldn't shut the hell up. And if he would have done his stuff and not been so vocal on anything – if they was kept off the phone and stopped tweeting and everything else under the sun, it would have been viewed a lot different. I know of a lot of Republican people, and I am, I am definitely an independent-minded person because I don't stand on social issues the same way uh, major conservatives do. And I don't obviously stand with liberals on everything they stand for. But I will tell you that Trump pissed off a lot of Republicans, especially here in Texas, because of his mouth, period.
1: Well, uh, look, there are all sorts of reasons on why that could be. But what I can tell you is that in 2008, when a Democrat uh, won the presidency, John McCain got 55 or 56 percent of Texas. And so from 2008 to 2020, Texas has gone from 56 percent with an extremely weak candidate and John McCain to close to 51 percent or sorry, 52 percent. Uh, in 2020 with Trump. But it's not just about the presidency. It's also about the Senate. So if you look at the Senate race from 2018, Ted Cruz, who's now a household name within the Republican Party, he won that race by about two percentage points. It was fifty-one percent to forty-eight.
0: The, the problem you problem you have is there's not a lot of people in Texas that I would say that would total line with Trump, and a lot of these senators and Congress people did, and and it hurt them. And I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I would have preferred to have a Democrat president. And and Trump's dead, but have kept the Senate Republican to keep the checks and balances. Trump Trump Trump's whole thing uh, with his mouth hurt a lot of a lot of things. But I will tell you this: that I don't think from a a conservative view. I'm not conservative, but from a conservative view, Biden won, but down ticket conservatives won.
1: That's what they're saying right now. Definitely in the House races, that was the case for sure. The Overall, if you look at what was expected, what was predicted, the Republicans did extremely well. Yep. But this Georgia race that's coming up by the time we publish this interview, uh, Georgia will will probably be decided. But if if the Republicans lose both of those seats in Georgia, this is a complete failure of an election for the Republicans because they lose the, the Senate. They're, they're already... They've already not winning the house, even this though is they did Already a good job.
0: of a failure of election period. With you know, I'm not gonna sit there and say there was widespread voter fraud, but there was obvious situations of voter fraud that were actually on video and stuff. And, you know, my problem here is this. Um, I think I think you know, states need to start taking their own responsibility and start weaning off the socialist teat of the federal government because now the problem I have here and this this election is not going to heal America this election is just going to divide this, this 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 division between uh, Americans further and the reason why is this I believe that Pennsylvania and other states were wrong when they turn around and change their laws by executive order and not by law okay by
1: legislative order yeah they in the, in the or sorry by judicial By judicial order instead of legislative, which, according to Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution, the legislature needs them. And and you wonder, as a citizen, how does that happen? I mean, don't people know the law? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> Correct. And, and this is this is what I'm trying to say. So I don't think this was a good thing. I think this is just going to cause a bigger stir. And someone who served in, in the U.S. Marine Corps, I'm telling you this is going to be a problem because this is a problem for me. But the difference between the Marine Corps and most branches of government, Marine Corps is a lot like Texas. And I am from Massachusetts, which is a very liberal state. Okay. Um, but I have – Marine Corps is a lot like Texas. And, and, and Marine Corps' motto is God, Corps – And then the country. And Texas is kind of like that. You know, Texas is about, you know, God, Texas, and then you know, you're welcome. You join Texas, United States. You know, that's that's their mentality down here. And I think a lot of the people leaving these other states, once you come here and you're in Texas, you have a, a view of what the country used to be. And when I say that is this Texas has something that I used to laugh about. When I was living in other states, Florida, New England, and many different states, I used to laugh because you see it on TV and you hear about it, this big thing of there's Texas and there's the rest of the United States. It's actually goddamn true down here. (laughs) Like you go everywhere and there's that thing called Texas pride. And when you move here, and I've been down here uh, three years as of this month. I actually moved here in January three years ago, right? And I will tell you Texas pride is real. And that is what this country is missing because it used to be the United States. OK, and that's where I, I have a problem with politics today and these liberal left and these extreme right, because it used to be you did what was right for the country and you you compromised you. The, the, the Democrats would push you better on pro- progressive social issues to move us forward as a human being. But, you know, the Republicans would be like, OK, well, how are we going to pay for it? How are we going to do it? Where's the infrastructure for this, right? They were the mind, and your your Democrats were the heart, and then you, you you compromised on issues. And yes, it wasn't a perfect system, but it sure to hell was better than what we have today. Because now today we're so much infighting that what is the idea of the United States? And and I will I'll ask you this question: If you were living in a state like I am, so let's, let's I'm living this. Daniel posted this question to me, so. Here in Texas, and I'm not saying Texas should, but I think Texas.
1: Well, probably. I'll just say this: I'm born and raised Texas. In, okay, so, Houston, ready? And I so live Texas. in Florida now, which is so even more Texas, red. Than
0: Texas. Texas overpays the United States government and gets a reimbursement, a partial reimbursement on the money it overpays to the federal government, right? So Texas has it. Texas has its own military. Texas has everything else. Texas has what six or seven of the top 100 universities in the world. Um, Texas money would be worth more if it ever left and created its own money. Texas has land. Texas has everything oil. A lot of your fortune 500 headquarters. It pretty much has everything you goddamn need. So with that being said, if Texas can and could stand on its own, let me pose a question to this then. Why, if Texas was not part of the United States, what is the benefit today for a Texas to join the United States?
1: Well, today again, the, the whole division aspect that you were talking about—this is a recent phenomenon. When I say recent, or the last ten years or so, that's when the, the division has. Been I'm ten years
0: older than you. I would give it another ten on top of that.
1: You think it's about twenty years? I guarantee
0: you, because well, when I we, got when I got in the Marine Corps, I can tell you this: it's, it's definitely growing up versus coming home—a um, much different mentality and attitude. Um, from what you, and I think maybe the phenomenon here is, you know, what you're taught as a child and what you grew up to see becomes two totally different things. Um, well, I just don't think the,
1: the division or the revolution, so to speak, is as great as it was in the 1860s. And eventually I do think it'll get, I, I don't think we're getting better as a country. I don't think I do think that states like Texas and Florida, eventually they're just going to get tired of, like you said, paying into the federal government and not getting anything back and saying, you know what, screw this. I can, I can just go out on my own and we could do this on our own. Who says that we need the federal government? We can have our own military. We can have our own currency. Uh, this is, you know, we don't want to pay for New York's problems or Pennsylvania's problems or California's problems, which is currently happening right now. And they're all run. By democratic leaders. Well, my
0: problem here is I'm so tired of the uh, of liberals turn around floating all these things like Russia. Russia is such a big problem, you know. In the numbers, when you look at the numbers in the world, not land, but numbers, and we call it GDP. And I'm sure a lot of the oligarchs are stealing the money. But even when you look at that, so Russia's a huge country, it was our Cold War adversary, the whole nine yards, right? Big superpower, blah blah blah. But when you look at them financially. They're number 11 in the world. Italy yeah. beats them. Canada beats South them. South Korea beats them. <laughs> but, I mean, and here's the kicker. There's a lot of states, like I just point out California. If California could get its act together and get itself straightened no, out, California as a GDP would be ranked number five in the world, right? Texas would be number 10 or number nine in the world if it's separated tomorrow. I mean, I just can't see every time someone wants to tout Russia, 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 um, where, how, how are they paying for all this and their, and all that land and everything they got and doing all this? They're such evil, but yet they're number 10. Japan is bigger than them, for God's sakes. I mean, I could show you land-wise and population-wise smaller countries that beat them, right? So how and why are you able to sit there and say, or anyone sit there and say as a liberal that Russia's the number one evil superpower,
1: well, that comes from the back to the socialist Red Scare times. That's just a media perpetuation, uh, propaganda. And that's still very much uh, a mentality. Russia is our enemy. No, that was before I was even born, uh, you know. Uh, but people still run with it because that's what's in the textbook. That's what you learn in eighth grade history and in 11th grade history, that Russia is the enemy and that Russia is this superpower. But if you look at the facts... No, like you said, Russia Russia's number 11 in GDP in the world. And I just want to go back really quickly. You said China. The United States is still significantly ahead of China. Look, I'm not predicting that the U.S. is going to stay as the global superpower forever. But if I were to put money down on it within the next 10 years, yes, we have lost. I think we have lost this trade war with China. I think we have lost the we lost a trade
0: war with China 10, 20 years ago. You see, I'm I'm actually in the manufacturing realm, right? I, I I am in that realm. And China was is is and currently still is stealing technology. I mean, if you buy if you build something and you build it in China, you're you're there's nothing protecting you. They steal it, they make it better, and they make it cheaper, or they just make it cheaper and they resell it. In the same country, I know a lot of people who are who are, uh, own manufacturing firms and they build in China and they can't build everything in China no more because it's just gotten to a point that they'll build – let's say it's a light. They'll build a light and they have this great technology and it's safe for three months. And if they don't make their money back in three months, they lose on the project because China will take it, make it cheaper for themselves yep. and, and sell it right back into the United States. So no – We've lost, we've lost the war a long time ago when it comes to technology because we've been sending so much over there outside of defense stuff that they're already ahead of us. And we've already caught them how many times in this country you know, going into universities and stealing technology, mm-hmm. right? And you would think at some point – and I blame, I blame the American people. You vote these idiots in every single time. You vote these goddamn same senators and, and congresspeople in, and you allow this game to be played. You know, I'm not a revolutionary, but at some point, you know, um, I hate Hollywood, but even Hollywood gets it right once in a while. I mean, You know, this is I don't think Hollywood
1: knows what they're talking about. Um, They say some good things once in a while, but I don't think they understand what's behind it. Look, I'm actually I am a globalist. I I understand from a political perspective. If you're a politician and you say outsourcing is good and having cheaper products come in from China and Korea and India is the way to go. No one's going to vote for you. Uh, So that's why I'm not a politician and I run the tech business. I have a technology business. You say that,
0: though, but they already did it. Yeah, Yeah,
1: they did already do it. But no, that's don't.
0: the liberals. That's the liberals. That's 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 the liberals. Those are your globalist people. That's the liberals. Turn around, and and the the one major factor for maintaining power within any country is you would be able to you know, manufacture your own shit. You know, during World War Two and and whatnot have you, you know these automakers turned into you no know, military you no know, machine makers you know or plane makers or whatever have you. I mean. Look at Detroit now. Do you really think if we went to war tomorrow that there's a Detroit to help us out? No. No, no, not at all. I mean, Detroit's so, so again, we, we outsourced all this stuff. How long to reestablish all that stuff? It's just not possible. You know. And you know, we bring in all these other companies from other countries and we give them tax breaks to come in here to be able to do stuff cheaper. It's like, well, what about the people that are here? Why don't you make that cheaper? You know, it's funny. Yeah. Well, once
1: again, when it comes to a free market uh, economy, it's not free.
0: It's not fair. That's the one. That's the one statement, and I don't like Trump. That's the one statement I do believe set everyone back. If you want to make it fair, let's drop all tariffs. European Union, everything. Let's drop it to zero. Right. Let's do zero. Let's do zero. Let's be free. Then let's see what happens. But no one liked that idea. How many people jumped on that idea? Not one of your globalists did. But not that's them. because, like
1: I said, as a politician, that's uh, political suicide. You're not going to get posted <laughs> saying, oh, yeah, we're just going to outsource your job overseas. Look, we, my company, I've made a living over the last, I started it in 2013. I've made a living off of the outsourcing, I've seen it firsthand. And from that perspective, if I'm able to generate a profit, then I'm able to hire more workers. And when you're running a business, I don't care if it be a worker is based in the United States or based in the Philippines or in India. It doesn't matter to me because my business, I'm trying to make, earn a living and the job needs to get done. So,
0: But I own a business um, and I'm telling you right now, it matters to me. It matters to me what where, where, where my business goes. It matters to me. And I think that's the difference. It also depends on what you're actually in business for, right? I mean, that also is situational, but obviously with talking to you, obviously more are, and this is why I want to have this conversation, which is great because obviously you're showing that you are definitely more a liberal. So with that being said, now we've, we've made that very clear, explain (laughs) to me how you end up being attacked by the left. Well, the reason why I
1: ended up being attacked by the left is number one, I voted for Trump in 2020.
0: There's no way you did. I'm not buying that. I just heard you speak. I am not buying that. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, just, just
1: because I don't agree, like you you talked about several policies that I don't agree with of his and look, there are millions of policies out there. You don't have to agree with every single policy that your politician who you support uh, is, is bringing to the forefront. And so in my case, I never really cared for voting. Uh, I, I voted for Obama in 2008 because I was really young and, uh, you know, he seemed like a good guy. So I, I voted for him, but didn't vote for him in 2012, I sat out 2016.
0: Now see, now, now see, I'm what I was in 2008, I had a lot of, a lot of hope when it came to Obama. I thought maybe just maybe he's young enough to turn around and and do something right. And then 2012 came around like, oh, my God, this is absolutely goddamn horrible again. I mean, it's like – and I think that's the one problem we have with, with this country is we don't hold our politicians accountable. There's no accountability. It, promises are made and never followed up, period.
1: Absolutely. If, yeah, yeah. And that's largely driven by the mainstream news media, which, which leans heavily left. But going back to your question, how did I end up supporting Trump? Well, look, there's a lot that happened during the Obama presidency. And I said in 2013 or so, I said, you know what, I'm just not even going to vote. The next time I vote, it's going to be for a candidate who will call out the news. Before it was called the fake news media, I worked at, I worked in the news. I worked for, for what Google dubbed a fake news publisher. And I said, I will support a candidate who comes out and calls out the fake news media for what it is and does not, uh, well, that's the first thing. The second thing is I'll vote for someone who's a political outsider because I can't stand these D.C. Sw- as Trump calls it swamp, these D.C. politicians. And I also want to support a guy who's actually created a job, not somebody who's a career politician who gets other people's money to create worthless jobs, but someone who's actually started something from scratch, created value, done stuff on his own without other people's money. And... Trump checked all those boxes and you might say, well, then why didn't you vote for him in 2016? Well, because number one, it didn't matter to me who won. And I was actually okay with Hillary Clinton. Like I I wasn't
0: wasn't. (laughs) after Benghazi, after Benghazi. And let me tell you something. I served, I served in her husband's administration in the Marine Corps. Okay. And I'm telling you right now, after Benghazi, there was no way in hell you could drag my, my fat ass over hot coals. I don't care. There was no way you were ever going to get me to vote for that woman. Um, Ever. Ever. And it's not because she's a female. It's not because she's a female. There are plenty of females out there that I would vote uh, for president, no, no doubt about it. But that woman was as shady as they come. And I think in some aspects, she was worse than any man. Um, and when it comes to Benghazi, when you were going to let an ambassador die and you were going to let the people protecting him die... Because that's what's considered in the Marine Corps, the Yankee White Program, is, is you go into um, presidential duty and then you turn around and you go out for two years and you do an embassy duty if you don't get direct embassy duty. So you're constantly coming back and forth. And those guys were left out there to die. And I don't care what you want to say. There's no way you're going to tell me that woman didn't know. She knew. Okay. She, that's That was her job. and And she let it happen. And I don't care on what soil – uh, an embassy of any country, if I go and take my wife to the Mexican consulate, that's considered Mexican soil. So when we're being attacked at a consulate on any in any country, that is still American soil. And those people should have been protected. And there's no, there was no way in hell I would have ever voted for a person who allowed that to happen.
1: Well, look, um there are four reasons why you can vote or not vote for a particular person so uh, in my case, I believe the four reasons are number one, you like your candidate and I do like Trump a lot even before he ran, a lot of people they go by the trump of twenty fifteen twenty sixteen they they completely forgot who this man was in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, the guy who was in Home Alone, the guy who was the number one, uh, had the number one network network television show, number one TV show in all of television. Uh, the first business course I ever took was called The Apprentice. One of the first business books I ever read was The Art of the Deal, which led me to read Rich Dad Poor Dad. All of this stuff. This this is incredible value Incredible I mean check all this out And you will learn a ton You will learn a lot Oh I I got the honor of the
0: deal And believe me I've watched his (laughs) What was it 2002 interview With Matt Lauer Before he got called out on, On the stuff that he did and he was calling out the white supremacists back then. I mean, he just for some reason he just when he calls it out, he just doesn't call out the white supremacist as strong as he can call out, say Black Lives Matter or something. And I get it, I get it. Everyone's got their preference, and I've always said, for anyone to be president, I don't care if it's Obama, a Bush, a Clinton, it doesn't it doesn't matter. You have to be a narcissist on some level. It's just Trump took it. Any to politician, the whole not level. just
1: a, not, not just president, any any politician. Yeah, but
0: president, president, you, you you're pretty much alone on a pedestal, and you're getting knocked by everyone, including your peers. So everyone wants that job. So you have to be able to take that, and to be able to take that, you've got to be very confident in yourself to a point that you are a narcissist. I mean, Look,
1: that's a term I don't I don't necessarily like because. Look, we're all narcissists at the end of the day. We all want to look good. We all want to succeed and do well. It's just the levels of narcissism that each person has, the level or have, it's different. And in the case of Trump, it's only a mental, because you had a bunch of psychiatrists coming out saying, He needs a mental health evaluation. And I'm saying, look, this is, I I didn't even say this. The head of, former head of chair of Duke's Psychiatry Department, Dr. Alan Francis came out and said, this is a disservice to people who are actually mentally ill. Because here we have a guy who's not self-made, but he turned a 10 to $15 million business into a 10 to $15 billion business. He's been married to some of the most beautiful women in the world. He's created hundreds of thousands of jobs over the course of 40 years. And he became president of the United States. And you want to say that he has a, has a mental disorder? What is a person who actually has a mental disorder who's addicted to some opioid? What are they supposed to think about their future and who they are as people? And I completely agree. It, it, it's a huge disservice to just go around calling people having mental disorders. Look, they're politicians. They have to love themselves. They have to want the power. It's a part of the job. If, if, if you don't want that power, like Bernie Sanders, look, I
0: don't agree with his politics <laughs> Bernie. bernie i it's a what listen i i'm an independent but there, bernie sanders man I, I i don't care who you are the guy hasn't held any long-term job except for being in politics he's done pretty much nothing he came close to being president twice and gave they it up and you know what the funny thing is He never gave any of that money back. He sure the hell made money doing it, right? And that's what I I find so hilarious with Sanders followers is, you know, you you expect him to give you all this free shit when he becomes president because he's going to be a socialist president. And... I don't see that man giving you your money back. He kept every goddamn dime. He's a, he's millions of millionaires now, right? And he's like, oh, well, I did it from grassroots. I'm I'm made by my people. Sure, they paid you and you did not pay $1 back. And it was the funniest thing when he turned around and had to give them a living wage. And then all of a sudden their hours are cut. Come on. I'll say, Come on I'll say this about Bernie. I'll
1: say this uh, about and, Bernie. And I knew a lot of people on the Bernie camp in 2016 who switched over to Trump. And, and some people were like, a lot of the liberals were like, how the heck can you go from Bernie to Trump? Look, they were both genuine individuals. They both spoke their minds, and they weren't. Bernie is not a Democrat. You have to remember he's he's an he's a, he's a social. He's a Democrat socialist.
0: Yeah, well, he went on Democratic ticket because he wanted Democratic money. He wanted that money to help fund his campaign, and I get it. I'm not stupid to the fact. But but,
1: but 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 what I'm saying is, in the case of Bernie, he was not a fighter. He got screwed over twice in 2016, and again with collusion, the DNC collusion of both 2016 DNC collusion and 2020 DNC, he got screwed over twice. And instead of fighting for himself, and I guess you can say having the narcissism to go up against the establishment, he just went ahead and said, all right, yeah, I quit. I Okay, Hillary, you win. Biden, you win. If that was someone like Trump, which the Republicans tried to do to him in 2016, he would have fought. And I want... a. I, the country, not just me. The country wants a fighter. Forget about the politics. Forget about the the media spin. Bernie didn't fight. I, I don't. I don't agree with his politics. But if, if you're just going to wilt like that and throw in the towel twice in a row after getting screwed, I'm sorry. You got what you deserve. But like you said, he probably got what he needed. He got a bunch of money
0: and. A his retirement's done. He's a bunch of money. He's done. But, okay, so now so now, all of a sudden, everyone finds out you're a liberal who voted for Trump, and now they start attacking you. So how does this all start transpiring?
1: Well, the reason why is because the uh, Democrat Party and the liberals have completely gone so far left and off the map that now, I'm, if you're a centrist, like you said, you're a centrist, you're now considered right-wing not even a conservative, you're considered a right wing. And how did this happen? Well, first off, I started speaking out against many of these movements like BLM, like the uh, defacing and taking down of of statues. Uh, I mean, statues of Abraham Lincoln being defaced and taken down, statues of Gandhi, the father of my motherland, being taken down because they're apparently white supremacists. Or racist?
0: Yeah, don't you tell me and you have the same skin color, can't you tell? I've been
1: called a white supremacist. Some people said I had surgery to change the color of my skin and that I'm an operative for the deep white state, whatever that means. And uh, to me, that's just, it's just ridiculous. And that entire, to me, it's a mindset. The late uh, psychiatrist, Dr. Lyle Rossiter, wrote a book called The Liberal Mind," and I don't get off to going to a protest and taking down statues and thinking that I accomplished so much in my life, but that is what the party has turned into two over $2 billion worth of damage in the year, 2021
0: $2 billion. Peaceful protest, bro. Your people called it. Your people called it peaceful protest.
1: And it's, and every time I say that the left, the left says, Oh yeah, that did happen. But there, were also this, there was also this other side of peaceful protest. And there were. And I drove through some of them. And I'm just looking and I'm like, what do you people think you're accomplishing? Like, you want the police defunded? Are you kidding me? The first people I'll call when there's a problem, 911. There's no question about it. That's what you well, teach. Well, you know, I people. like Charles
0: Barkley's response. Did you see his response? No. Charles Barkley was funny. He came out and, he was, and, and Shaquille O'Neal agreed to him. He goes, you know what? For all you people who want to defund the police... You go ahead and do it. But people with money and then rich white people, they're not defunding their police. We're going to keep them. So you go ahead and you do we'll what you our, want. We'll get yeah. our own
1: private stuff.
0: And then, we'll then our- the liberals here in Austin, Texas decided they want to try to defund the police. And thank God Abbott, who's a Republican, turned around and said, yeah, you go ahead and you want to defund the police in Austin and we will turn around and keep the state police in there. And they will do the job. But either way, it's we're not going to allow this shit to happen. And I don't know where these ideas come from, but it's just absolute- they're coming
1: from. I'll tell you, they're coming from a central location from people who have a lot of money, but are just there in the background. They're they're not. I I don't think uh, they're coming from. It's coming from pure propaganda and people who have a lot of money and they're brainwashing. And this has been going on for decades and decades. This types of this type of Marxism. It happened outside of the United States first. They weren't able to penetrate the United States. It happened in my motherland. Of India during the 60s and 70s. It happened in various European countries during the age of communism and even post communism. And it finally, I again, you might say, no, this has been going on for a while. I saw it for the first time coming in about 2017, 2018. It, it hit the United States with Antifa, with the BLM riots, uh, even the, the, the just a general concept behind BLM. This goes against every value. That I believe in and before someone says oh you're racist because you're against BLM. Go to go to defundthepolice.org. Everyone who's listening right now or watching. Go to defundthepolice.org and you will see a huge watermark that does not disappear that says Black Lives Matter because defunding the police is sponsored by Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter raised over a billion dollars in its first week after George Floyd. In its first week over a billion dollars just from corporations. And they funneled a ton of that money into the DNC and Joe Biden's campaign. Now, what does that all have to do with what well, BLM you know, is?
0: We we both saw that because after he won, they turn around and they issued a statement. Right, when are we going to sit down and talk publicly? I
1: mean, and look, and look, I, I brought up I didn't share the four reasons for vote. So the number one, you like your candidate. Number two, you like your party. Number three, you hate the other candidate. Which I don't hate. I don't hate Joe Biden. I actually think Joe Biden is the only light that we have between the uh between a capitalist society and radical marxism taking over the country and that's why you might disagree but i'm definitely
0: disagreeing and let me explain why i disagree because when you have nancy pelosi coming out and getting ready to have him removed from office prior to the election right because you know when she did that whole stunt we're going to turn around and and get the president out of office and we're looking at the articles and we got to stop looking at this You know, When that happened, I did a video and I purposely said this isn't for Trump because everyone thought they were going to take Trump out of office. No, because you need your cabinet and you need your vice president to be able to do it. And we both know that Kamala Harris is only sitting her happy ass where she's sitting it now because Obama put her there. Because actually Kamala Harris, not Biden, was Obama's choice. Kamala Harris went through over $10 million between New Hampshire and Iowa and she lost her ass because she's unlikable. And then she turns around, comes out publicly, calls out Joe Biden as a racist and then turns around and says she believes his sexual, um, you know, people who are you know, accusing him of being a sexual predator. And she believes him. And now all of a sudden she's his sidekick. And then Nancy Pelosi coming close to the election is we're going to get him out of you know, the president of office. Congress, you know, we need to look at this. This was never meant for Trump. This is going to be to take Biden out. Biden's going to keep a lot of the war chest that he've accumulated when running for president. He's going to leave Kamala Harris some of it. He's going to take that fucking money and run. And now we have the first female president, period. And Obama helped put her there. That's that's the situation here. I guarantee it. The only problem you're running into is that they lost so many seats in the House that all these people who were promised cabinet positions can't get them because then you have to go into elections and uh, new elections, runoff elections and shit like that, where guess what? You know, there's a possibility that the Republican may pick it up and they can't afford to lose it. So there's a well, lot, look, of, it, lot of it, stuff going on.
1: There is a lot of stuff going on and it was assumed that Biden would not even complete two years during his, his presidency when he ran. He's a part-time president, which is fine. But this is why that Georgia Senate election is so important because if that flips Democrat and there are going to be radical changes once Kamala Harris comes to power in 2022, 2023. In in a matter of one year, they can pass so much, pass so much. That's a problem with radicals. And in one day, radicals can can change a, a complete environment. And Biden, if you look at who he's putting in his cabinet, he's just filling up the swamp again. It's it's just a bunch of ex Obama, ex Clinton people, and. I don't agree with those picks, even though, like we established, I'm actually liberal. Right. <laughs> you know, I don't agree with those picks, but if you compare that to what Kamala Harris and AOC and Rashida Tlaib and uh, Ilhan Omar and the people that they support and the ideas that they support, yeah, I'm fine with the swamp. Fill the swamp back up because keep those other people as far as possible out of the White House. And I got to say, the White House—I went on Newsmax TV a couple of months ago. And I was on a panel and this woman on the panel, I said the term White House and she knew that I was a Trump supporter. And uh, I guess you can call me a Republican. But she said that's a very racist, offensive term. And I said, well, that's what it's called. ma'am. that's uh, it's called the White House. And she said it they need anyone who calls it the White House, they're racist. It's a very racist building. It needs to be a red house or a black house. I A black house, that's going to, I mean, no disrespect to the color black, but i kind of eerie to even.
0: <laughs> you know, the funny thing here, though, is you're going to see, you're going to see a lot of the liberals and it's already happening because, you, you know, it happened with this um, movement where we got to call everybody out and everything. And now all of a sudden liberals are getting called out on their own shit. I mean, look at Newsom. Newsom's right now. They're ready to call, recall his ass and you know throw him out of you know, the governorship in California, and rightfully so. But I mean, the liberals turn on themselves. I, the problem with liberals is they'll get power, but they're all power-hungry, and they're all going to turn on themselves. And it's all because of character. They're, the character assassinations that they like to pull, they do it to each other, and then all of a sudden there's no, no nothing. But the thing I think the thing, getting back to, I say it was earlier, is it's real simple. In my mind, we used to have... You know, what made the 80s so strong was there was a lot of patriotism in the 80s, right? I mean, let's face it. I grew up in the 80s. You know, um, like I said, I was, you know, served under Clinton. um, So I grew up in the 80s. You know, I think growing up, the one thing we had that we don't have today is a common enemy. We don't have anything that actually brings us together as Americans. You can't sit there and say the war in Afghanistan and this, that, and the other thing. So there's people who say we don't belong there and and whatnot have you. But – in the 80s, you had the Cold War, and then Russia was bad. That was it. And and we, we banded together as Americans. I think for a long period in time in history, we had something that brought us together. It didn't matter where you were from or where you came from, the color of your skin, because at some level, you, it was became a national thing where you were American. And we don't have that today. Because if Texas, and I live in Texas, if Texas were to leave tomorrow tomorrow, would I move back to the United States? I don't know that I would. Right? I don't. I don't know. Well, that you bring up a really Texas good point. Texas has that. You no know, Texas pride. There's no American pride no more. And Biden isn't going to restore that. He's not.
1: Well, well. Look, before I moved here to to Florida, I lived in the uh, killing field known as Baltimore and Baltimore <laughs> somebody yep. died when I was living there in 2012, 2013, 2014, three years, somebody was getting killed every day. There was a homicide every day. And the size of Baltimore is not the size of Chicago. Okay. This is a, it's actually a pretty small city yep. and somebody was dying at my neighbors, both of them shot and killed. I saw their blood on the floor when I came home from work one day and the mayor uh, they've only had Democrat mayor since Nancy Pelosi's brother became uh, mayor post-civil rights in in the 1960s. And so I became a refugee. I started my company, became location independent, moved down to Florida. I was a refugee survivor of of Baltimore. And I said, I'm never voting for a radical leftist Marxist Democrat ever again because I went through this. I I People talk about these lockdowns. I was locked down in my condo after sundown, over a period of close to three years, I put myself on self-lockdown because I got mugged. I told you my neighbor got ki- my neighbors got killed. Uh, my my really good friend who lived two three miles away, his neighbor got stabbed over a slice of pizza because he didn't want to give some random guy on the street the slice of pizza. This is what it was like every day. I saw dead bodies in dumpsters, and in the building I lived in, there was a dead body just hanging out. Nobody even found it because nobody ever used that room. And people were trying to find this missing person and boom, somebody found the dead body. And it, once you live through that and you move to a place like Florida where it's sunny all the time and the, the crime, people hear the, the crime. But what people say is like ghetto or crime infested is like the nicest part of Baltimore. You go through that.
0: <laughs> I know. I, I lived in Florida for uh, 12 years. I was over on the West Coast in Pinellas County. So.
1: that's where I live. I live in Tampa and uh, well, I live Hillsborough right County. Yeah, I'm Hillsborough. yeah, Hillsborough. Yeah. Yeah. And Pinellas is really nice too, right on the water. Yep. So once you go through that and you experience that there is absolutely no going back. And what's the commonality between these killing fields of Baltimore, New Orleans, Detroit. Now, New York is a complete mess. Oakland. I go well, on you know, and on Chicago. Yeah, they've had you, Democratic mayors, Democratic Congress people since the 60s. It, it's it, doing the same policy and they don't give two pennies about what's going on
0: but what's your what's your your prediction when it comes to say like let's take illinois new york and um california you got an exodus of companies leaving you've got an exodus of people of 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 uh financial value and influence leaving and what New York is over $35 billion uh, dollars, uh, less in, in financial value because that's you – no, know, people left that <laughs> of value.
1: Well, they're way. screwed. Right now, New York is absolutely screwed because the property – commercial real estate has completely plummeted due to the virus. And how are they going to raise their property? Ta- I mean, how are they going to raise their funding? Dude, they get so much through property tax. Now, the landlords aren't going to be able to make their payments. Uh, New York City is absolutely – these major cities, Boston, New York, Chicago, Seattle, Portland. I mean, look at the mess Portland's in right now. I've got a friend – my friend who's a police officer has a friend who's also a police officer in Portland. And he said he served in the military. And right now, being a police officer in Portland is worse than when he served during the Gulf War and Afghanistan.
0: Yeah, I believe. And
1: again, who's – what's the political party of – the governor of Oregon, of the mayor of Portland, just take a while. Every place that I told you about, who are the two? What are the political parties of the two senators of New York? The governor of New York, or the. But you know,
0: but you know, we are talking political parties here. No, but the problem is, is, both parties have made it so hard for a third party to come up.
1: It's not going to happen. Look, look, that I consider myself a third party who now identifies as a, as a Republican. Um, it it's just. It, it's bipartisan. That's how it is in most countries. You, you got one or the other. And if you're someone like Bernie Sanders, you can't run as an independent. You have to go to what you're more aligned to. And now he created a major problem within the Democratic Party after because the Democrats did not do well in the House races. There is this huge division. There has been this division for a while where you have Nancy Pelosi, who's part of the the more centrist establishment Democratic Party, and then the Rashida Tlaibs, Ilhan Omar's AOCs of the world, who are a part of the "Let's defund the police," "Let's get rid of gender," "Let's get rid of men," uh, and that's what I'm completely against. I mean, <laughs> you,
0: you know, I just don't know. Listen, a lot of things are good ideas on paper, right? And everyone wants the world to be better, but the problem is, is when you're when you're when you're changing something. There has to be something behind it that makes sense. So for instance, when we talk about gender and we talk about sex, gender and sex is not mutually exclusive as far as I'm concerned. Um, You know, and you can't change DNA.
1: Now, it doesn't mean you have to... Science. In an age of science where everyone keeps saying, listen to the science. Prove Science makes it very clear that what the X and Y chromosomes are. It's very clear what the science says.
0: Right. Yeah, no one believes in scientists. I get it. But my, my thing is this. So we've talked a lot about many different things. You've been attacked. The world's gone nuts. But we have 10 years between us. So what is your solution? What do you see is going to be the solution that fixes a, not all problems because no problems are ever going to be completely fixed. But what brings this country back together? I don't think you're going to like my idea. No, uh, I, I I'm open to all ideas. That's why I have this show. I'm not being judgmental to anyone. I want you to get your idea out. I want you to say it for what it is, and I will ask you questions, and I will also offer my idea. I, you know, people may not like mine. So,
1: uh, Look, I believe in that, uh, in the idea, well, really the founding principles of this country when it comes to individualism and individual rights and rugged individualism which goes against this collectivist idea of mass surveillance, and having people walk around with, with vaccine cards and you must stay at home, be locked down. Uh, I believe in individualism in the sense that you are responsible for your own health. You are responsible for your own situation, your own family, your, your, your children, your, your, your mortgages, making your payments, your job, the money that you make, you are responsible. And that's the philosophy that I was raised with coming from a family of immigrants
0: There was. Yeah, but I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this today, and I'm not trying to be rude to my own culture and where I was growing up. But let's face it: a a lot of times when you come from another culture or another country or whatever have you, there is a lot of I want to say old school philosophy because of the fact that you know you come from a place that maybe doesn't offer as many resources or things of that nature. So you have to be more self-made. You have to be more responsible, right? And let's face it, you come from another country, but being poor in the United States is not like being poor in a third world country.
1: Absolutely, not. I mean, being poor in the United States means having a smartphone, living in an air conditioned, right. you know, a, apartment, uh, having free healthcare, having getting free food. There, there's so many. I'm not saying it's great to be poor. No, it's. I, I did not. No, throw I'm up not poor, saying that, but we, we but, both
0: understand that where you come from. Where you were born versus this country's mentality that you are—I would call an old soul. You were raised to be self-sufficient, to go out there and take advantage of any opportunity offered to you. It doesn't mean you can't be liberal, but you definitely got to get out there and work your ass hard and and take advantage and make something of yourself and and take care of yourself. Yes, right?
1: yes. And, so and a
0: lot of a lot of things today. Let's face it: the younger generation is not.
1: And that is of huge concern. And and that's why my solution is, and I say, look, you may not agree with this, but I can't believe people disagree with it because people have disagreed with it. And that is, the solution is for people to build wealth and long lasting relationships for the next generation so that our children can compete against the Trumps and Bidens and Clintons of the world with more than just marches, hashtags, rallies, prayer vigils. I believe you should choose yourself and those around you not the, you know, the the mayor or the president or whoever, it doesn't matter. I mean, it kind of matters, but really you should focus on yourself and your situation. What matters is who you surround yourself with and only you and those around you can make the real impact in your life. But and where so, does it
0: start? I mean, you, you it's a great idea of being, being self-reliant, but you, you still have to give me an idea of, of how to make it happen. Where does it start?
1: Well, But there's a lot that goes into what you just said. It's getting educated. That doesn't mean getting a bunch of degrees. That means starting businesses, creating value uh, so that when the next coronavirus hits or the next recession hits, you can stave that off. It's building long-term wealth. It's, um, It's just knowledge attainment and constantly seeking to improve yourself and improve your knowledge, having discussions like what you and I are having. It, it's, it's a lot of different factors, and I'd recommend some books to, so people can learn some more. Read the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, one of the most successful nonfiction books of all time, and you'll get lots of ideas of how you can improve yourself in your own situation. But my other solution, which you're not probably not going to like, is if it ever reaches a point, and I did this. I, I lived in Baltimore, and I said, screw this. I'm out of here, and I moved out, and I was ready to get the hell out of the United States. But I said, you know what, I heard Florida, I heard Tampa is a good spot to be. Let's try it out for a year. Because otherwise, I was on my way to Medellin, Colombia, or Chiang Mai, <laughs> Thailand. That's what, Because I had several friends move out after the Obama uh, re-election in 2012. I had close to 10 friends move out of the United States for good to Argentina, Colombia, Costa Rica, Chiang Mai, Thailand, Cambodia, you name it. They moved out. And they convinced me. They they were telling me how great their life was and how amazing it was. So I said, you know, I make a pit stop in Florida for a year. And then I'll consider the the other places. So that one year in Florida turned to two years. And then I met my girlfriend, who's now my wife. And we have a kid. And look, I love Florida. Florida is great. And that's why so many people have been moving down here. But one of your options is you don't have to stay in. If if you are so in 2016, so many of these liberals said, oh, I'm going to Move out of the country if Trump gets elected. Never and happened none that. of them did. No. None of them did. Zero. That's why, that's
0: why more and more after talking to Daniel Miller, more and more of the idea – and I'm not the only one. There's a um, high-profile YouTuber, uh, Valuetainment, Patrick David. Um, even he did the whole should Texas secede and even he agrees Texas should leave. You know, he's even looking at it from a very logical perspective. He's like, "Yeah, Texas should." There's no reason why Texas needs to be part of the United States and whatnot have you. And he goes, "People in the United States would then have an option, not the rich people like him, but normal people would have an option of where to go, that would still maintain a lot of the normality of being in the United States, but still, you know, be leave the United States. You know, and it wouldn't be that big of a hop and skip and jump to go to Colombia, like you were considering. You know what I mean?" Um. But for me, it's, it's, a, little, it's a little different. I, I think for me, it's real simple. People are not going to like this, but we're going to need uh, two things to happen. First off, we need to restructure our universities, keep politics out of it.
1: Period. Good luck with that.
0: No, I'm, sa- I'm just saying. This is what it's going to take. Yeah, yeah. Because, because you need to get politics out of the universities. I don't care if you're a liberal in your own time or a conservative in your own time. But when you're teaching someone at a university level, you're supposed to be able to teach them to think for themselves. You're not supposed to be influencing. Think for yourselves. Go out, do the research, give me your best response, and then you're supposed to be judging that response based on, did they do the time, the work, the effort, and did they think an idea through? Now, they may be wrong, but did they do what they were supposed to do, which is think for themselves and be better, right? I think we need to do that. Secondly, we need a common enemy. We need something bad to happen to us that will bring us together. No, I'm dead serious. Because you don't
1: think the, one, the virus was bad enough? No, all it did was divide us more. By
0: the way, no, because the one thing the virus did was we, we fought amongst ourselves on what was the best, the best course of action, right? So I did an interview with Doctor Scott Johnson, uh, yeah Johnson, I believe, and he's a Republican um, senator out of uh, Minnesota, which is surprising because Minnesota is going so blue; it's crazy. So they tried to take his license from him like two or three times because of um, his views on the coronavirus. And, you know, if, if you watch the interview, like not all deaths are coronavirus related. There's two parts to the death certificate. There's the cause of death and then related to the death. And a lot of a lot of places are putting related to COVID so they can get the extra money. So the numbers are skewed. And he even said it himself, you know. But the one thing he brought up and, and which – is held true for the most part until something happened in the summer was that when this started, it was never about curing it, it was about um, stopping the curve, the inline, it was flattening out the line that eventually everyone was going to get it, we were going to overcome it, we were going to have our own immunity to this, and blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden politically, it went crazy. Now all of a sudden we're curing stuff. So I don't want to take something that happens inside the country. We need something outside of the country that comes in to happen to us from somewhere else. Because the, the 9-11, even I thought about going back into the service. Yeah. Right? I had gone out and I was like, you know what? No, nah, I'm done. And and I I don't like New York City. I'm not a big fan of New York City because it's just overpopulated at the time and I was just – wasn't fun place to visit for me. I don't like big crowds but even I was like, you know what? Maybe I need to go back. Maybe I need to do my part all over again, right? Um, and that would bring the commonality back to what is the United States. We don't have a national identity no more. You know, If I was to turn around and ask you, talk, tell me, this, and this isn't racial, but if you just sit there and say, describe an Englishman to me, you're going to talk about a white guy with a funny accent. If I said, tell me about an Indian, you're going to tell me about a bright brown guy and with a funny accent. Funny accent. Right. And if I said, talk to me about, it, talk to me about a Chinese guy, it's going to be a yellow guy with a funny accent. Whatever. Yeah. It's not about being racist. It's just if you, when you talk about a national identity, now if I said, describe an American. You can't. You can't. There is no American. There is no idea of America no more. It doesn't matter color. It just, in general, there's no idea of what America is. And if you look at the US Constitution and what this country was founded on, the principles that were involved, you cannot tell me those principles still exist today. You can't. So you need to have something bad that brings back that idea to people that, you know what? If it happens to one of us, it happens to all of us. And we don't have that no more because we're not being taught that. You took I out, agree. You took you took out the you know Pledge of Allegiance. You took out God. No matter what God it is, you took God out of everything, right? I mean, I don't care who you pray to. I'm agnostic. I believe there is a God. I think man fucked it up. I've always said that My I was a huge Catholic I was an altar boy the whole nine yards then I joined the Marine Corps but regardless I looked at the Bible and said I think man screwed it up with all the revisions because I believe there is a God now whoever it is that's your thing to believe but when you start taking stuff out that what made this country the country it is and now you don't put something in its place better or anything at all what's there to believe in and that's why I think Daniel Miller and some of these other people were saying that the United States will not last. I think in the next, you know, five to 10 years, China beats us. And you're going to see with these liberals asking too much, you're going to see states like Texas turn around and say, we're not paying you no more. We're not being part of this, you know, um, and rightfully so in our lifetime. I'll give you an example. I live next to the largest army installation in the continental U.S. Their lease is almost up. They got less than three decades left on it. Who's to say that they're going to allow the U.S. base to stay? I mean, seriously. I mean, when you look at this, they got their own F-16s and stuff because a lot of that shit's made in Texas. I mean, they got their own national guard, their own militia. They got So states like that are going to start. I'm not paying for these social programs. I'm not paying for all these ideas because I'm paying for some other state that can't get their act together.
1: I, I agree with most of what you said um, a couple of things that I want to just piggyback off sure. and regarding the the Marxist left and, and we touched on some of these which is you're not allowed to say anything any I brought up the whole White House thing I said White House and I was called out on it and that's apparently a racist right-wing, statement to call it the White House or a master bedroom or to white label an app or to blacklist somebody. These are all offensive terms. And I'm like, what, since when? Apparently, you're a white supremacist. You're white and you use these terms. You're, you're a white supremacist. <laughs> Apparently, being literate and well-educated, speaking or writing well, using proper grammar. You know, I did a webinar uh, a few years ago. Uh, I've written a couple of books and I did a webinar about book writing and book publishing and the woman who ran the webinar and was asking me questions during the webinar, she happened to be African-American. And one of the first things I said about writing is, you must, if you want to be a good writer, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you have to understand the mechanics and the fundamentals of English grammar. And she called me out and said, I think that's, kind of, I think that's really racist. Like, how is somebody who doesn't know grammar supposed to succeed in writing a book? And I was blown away because this was before the radical left started, before Rutgers University amended their grammar courses because the radical left took over and said grammar was racist. I was blown away, and I, I couldn't believe that question that I heard. I didn't even know how to respond to it. Because, and my response was, I'm sorry, if you don't know grammar, if, if you can't speak properly and if you can't write properly, you're not going to sell books. You can write whatever you want, but no one's going to be able to understand it. And you know, she was very offended.
0: You know, that's, that's, that, that's the problem here is, is you're pointing <laughs> out one aspect of it out is, you know, um, the Chinese have many different dialects of the Chinese language. But they have one that unites them all, right? Yes. And, and, and you can't change that because that's what makes you who's not born in this country, me who is, if you have some type of commonality, that's what makes us both American. That idea that there's something between us that makes us, you know, a, a unit, not separate. And when you want to change the language and you want to change all this stuff, but you're not offering up anything good or anything at all, it's not better, you know? And then changing the English language, listen, <laughs> pop culture can stay pop culture. I don't care what you want to say in the side, but when I talk to you, I want to talk to you and I need you to understand me, Right? And it's the funniest thing, like, I, I learned, I'm i learning Spanish from my wife. I mean, I've been with her 10 years. We're going to be married 10 years this year. And a lot of times, even though she's teaching me Spanish, we talk English because she wants to get her English better because she lives in the United States. It's not because I tell her to. It's just she came here knowing that if I'm going to be part of this country, I should probably learn English. You know what I mean? I didn't force her to. And she wanted to, you know, um... I told her she could keep her last name if she wanted because I married a Mexican. And she's like, no, I came here. This is your culture. We do it this way. I'm going to have a, a single last name instead of the hyphenated, right? Male, female, mother, father situation. I said, fine, whatever you want. I mean, um, but still, there's got to be some commonality. And I think that's what we're missing. And I think we gave that up when we gave too much power to the left and to the right. We did this.
1: It's it's never ending, and the New England Journal of Medicine, a leading medical. Again, you've had the radical left saying all along, believe in science, trust the science. Fauci is a scientist. Wear the mask and take the vaccine, and then they come out, and the New England Journal of Medicine publishes something that says that. uh, Well, first, let's start with Harvard Medical. So Harvard Medical School came out with a scientific study that women who give birth are called birth givers. you, You should not call them women. They are not women because that is offensive. So next time you're at the hospital and you see somebody giving birth, they are somebody giving birth. They are a birth giver. The New England Journal of Medicine came out with something, again, more research, recommending that when babies are born, their birth certificate should not show their sex because that is offensive and discriminatory since there are many different sexes. And I'm thinking, what? Since when? And, and, and you have PhDs researching body parts like the Achilles tendon or the Adam's apple and saying that th- these are sexist body parts and we need to rename what these are called.
0: And, so I, and I, guess, I, I guess the problem here is I think people like me and you need to start a new political movement, right?
1: look, this is the type of stuff I I know, I have friends who got divorced, people close to me who got divorced from their spouses, because their spouses took offense to every, you know, somebody may have called them a a girl instead of a, a person, or a woman instead of a person. And they got offended and said, that's, that's disrespectful. And it's like, You're not allowed to say anything anymore because the Marxist left has hijacked now language, grammar, science, math. Math is apparently racist, too. That's why they're trying to get rid of the the SAT because grades. There's a school district in San Diego which got rid of grades altogether because too many people who didn't get good grades said this is racist and discriminatory to be grading people. Like you're basically ranking people and awarding them if they do well and penalizing them by not getting into good colleges or whatever it is by giving them bad grades. And this is this is racist. And I'm like, what the heck kind
0: of society do we live in now? And again, but the problem here is I've, I said it before we ever talked on air and, and what have you is we gave up our power. And there's the, the problem with people is that um, they're finicky. Right. It bothers us now. It bothers us. We're talking about it, but most people won't do something about it. And I think that is no until it goes too far. And and the one thing about change is it has to be so painful before someone changes. Right. No one just changes because they want to. No one changes because they chooses to. That's very, very. I'm not saying no one. Let me rephrase it. It's very, very rare. But pain is the one common denominator that causes people to change. And there's not enough pain yet. The problem, though, is with this situation we're talking about is when the pain becomes so painful, this is not a non-violent solution scenario. This is going to be a very violent solution scenario. And we're not talking about pitting the United States versus another country. We're talking about pitting citizen versus citizen. Yep. And you know, it's like I pointed out earlier. You know, here in Texas, I don't care if these major cities want to be majority blue. You're surrounded by a lot of red. And let's put it one thing clear: if it ever became violent, especially in a state like Texas, more conservative owns guns than liberals do. Oh yeah. right. So there I don't no I, I think at the end of the like day, and I'm not a proponent of violence. I'm just sitting here saying let's be because call it for what it is. Is if it, if something ever jumped off, you, it's a lot of people are going to be in trouble. You know, and that's why I say it used to be a compromise. I think we need to get back there. I think that's what, where it needs to be. And education needs to be the first step that we change. You've got to get yes. politics out of education. we got to be yes. able to put people in there who will just teach you to think for yourself. You no know, number two, we've got to get politics out of media. Media used to be a wonderful thing that would call out anybody and anything, right? They were supposed to be the truth sayers and to tell the masses what was really going on. You know, I you know, I knew after Trump, you know, after the election was done, CNN was never going to be CNN again because what the hell are they ever going to report on? Trump Trump is gone. So there's no Trump money for them, And AT&T is now looking to sell them, Right. There are $150 billion in debt and AT&T no longer wants to own them, right? I think Jeff Bezos is looking at him, right? But what's Jeff Bezos going to do? He's another goddamn guy who's liberal. But regardless of the fact, you know, CNN, even the media after Trump is gone, media is not going to – landscape not going to look the same. I mean and – and, and
1: Look, he's going to come out with his own network. He's going to do very well. The man always does well no matter what he does. And he's not done. I I think if he's healthy, he's going to run again in in 2024. And he could run unopposed. if Anyone who runs against him is running to get free publicity for something else, a book or a business or
0: something else. You know who I like to see run from his circle? From his circle?
1: Mm -hmm. Because I was going to say there's this guy out of Missouri, Josh Hawley. No, I'm saying if you took
0: the Trump circle, if you you had to sit there and ask me who should, you know, if not Trump, because he'd be too old, his daughter.
1: Yeah, I was going to say Ivanka. Yeah. But the I, problem I think Ivanka
0: has, though? Jared. What's wrong with him? Too much baggage. Too much baggage with him in the White House and some of the stuff that he's, he's been involved in. Too much baggage. I think he would be a problem, not a, not an asset. And, and you know who I'd like to see be her sidekick on that one? That ticket? Kaylee. Haley? Nikki Haley? No, no. Kaylee McEnany. Oh, why not? She's got a law degree and stuff. Why not?
1: She uh, she went to school right down the street from where we live. Just yep. just five minutes away. She's from she's from uh, the Tampa area.
0: Yep. Um, I, I, think I, I, I think I would vote for that ticket because let me tell you something. Ivanka is the polished version of Trump. Right. She's more yeah. polished. She's more, you know,
1: no. Better to look at in front of the camera.
0: <laughs> Better to look at, more likable. But she's polished. When she speaks, she's very polished. She doesn't take stuff so personal, and she doesn't attack, attack, attack. Right? She's very polished. And well, Kaylee she's and years
1: younger than him, so.
0: And Kaylee like can hold her own too. I think I think yeah. that would be a very dynamic duo when it comes to if you everyone wants to talk about putting a woman on a ticket, let's put two and two that could really do the goddamn job. Now, Nikki Haley, I would definitely support.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I I just don't think you need winning the presidency. Uh, it, look, Trump helped Biden win the presidency. You could have put anyone up against Trump and Trump basically w- w- will help in 2020, which was a terrible year for him. Anyone would have beaten him because everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. in 20- He was having an amazing 2017, 2018, January and February twenty. 20- or sorry, all of 2019. Amazing. January, uh, January, February, 2020. Incredible. And so what I'm saying is Trump brings, he's got this personality. He knows how to get people to, he knows how to control the narrative. He knows how to get people to watch him, to attend his rallies. Um, and, and so that's why I think he's, he has to run again in 2024. I don't think the Republicans have, have a choice in the case no, of Ivanka. No, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't
0: think, put him up there because at some point, um, with his personality, he's gonna be looked at as the crotchety old man looking for vengeance and 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 uh, he, gonna, will of course he, will he will be. He will be and, and the election will, will be more right, fair. But, but the problem the is we don't want that on the ticket. I
1: I I the man had seventy five million people vote for him, and I think he's gonna come out with this Trump News uh online network, which is gonna do extremely well, like just blow the competition out of the water. He's gonna have a platform already much bigger than what he had in 2015, 2016 when he was running. And I, I think he'll be ready to go in, in 2024. But with that being said, Ivanka is what, like 42, uh, maybe younger. She absolutely has. Uh, I think she will run eventually as, pre- not as VP, but as president. But No, two- I think you should
0: run as VP. And I think Kaylee should have been the, the VP on that one because I like how Kaylee handles herself. She'll come out and she'll go up to the media and she'll say, well, you didn't do this, 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 and this. Why don't you look at this? And then we can talk. And she lays out the facts and do this. You know, she's my age.
1: I'm I'm 31 years old. Kaylee's 31 years old. Also, People still view her as a child. No, um... I
0: think, listen, I think, (laughs) listen, there's some people who are ahead of their times and she's one of them. She's a go-getter. So is an Ivanka. She's a go-getter. And I think if you want to put two people together who might make a a positive change and you want to have a female ticket, there's a ticket that even I would look at and say, yeah, I'd I'd vote for that. Just because of the fact of the attitudes up there. You know what I mean? And I had no problem with the America first attitude. Like I have a problem with this last stimulus package. You know, um, the, the United States government could have made every single citizen an instant millionaire instead of paying out that money to all these countries
1: well, just, that's politics. Yeah. But I'm saying but they could have made
0: yeah. everyone an instant millionaire, right? Yeah. This is your one reprieve in your lifetime from your government in this bad situation. We're not giving the other countries this money. We're going to give it to you. Everyone's an instant millionaire. Thank you so much. Go out and spend the money, build back the economy, right? They could have done yeah. it. And, and they playing with this mess. And this is why I say so at some point, you know, we're going to go backwards in that conversation. Right? I said, Hollywood gets it right. Sometimes you just need to burn it all down. Not that I'm a revolutionary, but you know what? We keep – and, and but then again, you look at it and go, well, people get what they deserve. They keep putting these goddamn idiots back in politics.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's Look, it, we live in a democratic republic, but I will say – Within the quote-unquote establishment, there are two players who I think are the front-running leaders, and they've done an incredible job during this pandemic. That's, like I mentioned, Josh Hawley out of Missouri, who is a big Trump supporter. He's the first senator to contest the certification on January 6th. And then Governor Ron DeSantis, our governor here in Florida, has done an absolutely tremendous job in showing up. The governors of these huge Democratic-run states uh, in in New York, and in fact, their people are moving down here. And no, wonderful, no, I stuff. get
0: it though. But you know, the, the one thing I'd like to see happen, you know, and I think this is what Texas has, and some other states have over a lot of uh, states like California and whatnot what have you is Texas has a law in the book that says, uh, you know, first off, that their their representatives do not get paid unless they're in session. Number one. And number two, um, they can do nothing for two years, but the one thing they got to do every two years is balance the goddamn books. Texas can't be in debt. You know. And I think if other states had similar rules like that, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on, because if you have to balance the books, you can't have a California, right? You can't have a state that's so far billions of dollars in debt that it can go under at any point. Right? You can't do that. You got to balance the goddamn books. You got to make the hard decisions and you got to do what's right for your people. You know? And I think that f- forces some commonality, right? That because you cannot be, you know, um, progressively liberal but not fiscally responsible. You can't, you know, you have to have both things. To make something happen. And before we ever talked, I said, there's one thing I always like to say that as an independent, I'm kind of lucky because I can pick the best of both worlds. But the one thing I've always said that is I don't care how progressive an idea is, wrap it in the Constitution and drape it in the American flag and make it an American idea. And I'm on board, but you got to be able to do that. And I don't think the progressive left sees that. You know, They just don't look at that, that this is just their idea. They've
1: never even read the Constitution. They they won't even be able to tell
0: you what the Third Amendment is. No, I get that. And and, and that's the problem because it's all about character, not about substance. So let's talk about you. So you own a media company. So how are you now going to help level the field? Because you're actually not a liberal. I'm going to say this to anyone listening and watching. This guy is lying to you. He's not a liberal. He's an independent because he does believe in fiscal responsibility, but he does believe in progression. So – you're misclassifying yourself, my friend. I'm going to tell you right now, you're out there. You should be classifying yourself as an independent. You believe in progression, but you believe in responsibility because that's all I'm getting from you.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and uh, look, I, I wouldn't, again, classical liberal in the, in the sense of thinking and being open to ideas, but there, there are certain ideas like we talked about that are just, you know, dumbing down grammar to where we go, what is this? the 1984 there was that other uh, short story that uh it's slipping my mind uh, but none of that makes any sense that's how you destroy a society if if, by getting rid of math getting rid of grammar but going back to what can we do and and i brought up a couple of 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 solutions no
0: i asked what you're going to do you own a media company so how are we going to help you start competing what are we going to do here
1: I'll tell you, the, 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 what I'm going to do is continue to do what I'm doing, and that's speak out, come on shows like this, continue to, because uh, people have been inviting me, whether it's shows, webinars, spreading these ideas of freedom and liberty and the United States and anti-socialism, anti-Marxism, I'm going to continue to do it. It's, all, it's fine. If the radical left wants to keep attacking me, keep coming after me, try to hurt my business, try to hurt me personally... Be my guest. Uh, I've I've graduated from that level of of uh, fear. And so many people contact me saying, thank you for standing up. I'm, I'm not allowed to say what you say. I'm not allowed to. You no, know, I can't say what you like say.
0: This. I can't say what you say. I'm white. You
1: can't. Yeah, you can. And and they white people told me they were like, you're saying things that I believe in and that I, but I'm not allowed to say it because then I'm called a white supremacist. So and then it goes my, back my to this. Listen, you're, you're to...
0: speaking out, but what, what do we need to do to help you get to the next level? I mean, you're going to give me your details. I'm going to put it in the description below, but what can we do? I mean, you got to have your own little independent network there. You got to stop fighting, my friend.
1: Yeah, well look, there are a couple of things that, that that you can do. First off, I highly, highly recommend that people stay in touch with me. And that's through my website, Nareshvisa.com. First name, last name, NareshVisa.com. Get we'll, on
0: my we'll mailing. We'll make sure list. we get that. We'll put it in the description.
1: Yep. And then also my book, Trump Book, How Digital Liberals Silenced the Nation into Making America Hate Again. That's done extremely well on audiobook for some reason. It's done well in paperback and Kindle as well, but audiobook, it's done really, really well excellent reviews. And a sequel will be coming out. I don't know when, but within the next five years, a sequel will be coming out that's going to be even better. And so my goal, look, I'm on the board here locally for the local police department, uh, an advisory board. I've been uh, an advisory board member to the former mayor of Tampa Bay, graduated from his leadership program. For everyone, not just me, get involved in your community. The ideas and the initiatives that you believe in, like supporting our police, they're so important. Uh, if, yeah, if they are important, I'm to I'm looking
0: at you. You're well spoken. You're obviously educated. You're not. You're lying in the beginning by saying you're 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 uh, liberal. You're not. You're an educated independent who sees that we need to continue moving forward, but we need to be responsible for us So my question comes back to the same as Ben, and I want to get you to commit to something. What do we need to do besides keep in touch with you to help you move forward and and create your own little network? We need the next Ben Shapiro. We need the next you know. And if you're going to come out here and do it, then do it. What do we got to do to get you out there? I mean, you got to talk. You got to talk action, not, hey, go talk to your police department because you're doing it. You're at a different level than most people. They can go out and say, hey, I want to volunteer. But you're out there in the media now, my friend. You can't hold back. I'm hold not back. holding
1: back. I'm not holding back. And I will say this, uh, because w- what you're getting at, number one, I've got zero interest in, in actually becoming a politician.
0: I didn't say politician. Of- <laughs> I said, spokesperson, media, you own a yeah. media company, yeah. right? Yeah. So you could be the next Ben Shapiro. You could be the next Tucker Carlson. You could be whatever you want to be. I'm just saying, what are we, you know, you own a media company. What's the next okay. step? What are we going to do right. to help you be get more in the public's eye?
1: This is how you can help. Okay. I'm sharing this, right? I've I've kind of kept this to myself, but I'm sharing it here firsthand. Number one, in talks right now with a well-known comic book writer who was uh, unfortunately you can say let go or um, attacked by the radical left because he refused to make certain characters black or gay. And look, I agree with him. You can't make Batman
0: gay. Oh, the pizza? best one. Did you see the best one? I'm sure he's talked to you about this, but the recent one with Starfire's daughter. They did this whole thing with Starfire's daughter, is this overweight, uh, emo looking, short haired, tattooed, whole nine yard pierced. And then they show a picture of the writer. It's her. She wrote herself into a comic book. She has no superpowers, no nothing. It's about her tough life. As a child of a famous superhero. And she's nothing like that. She's total opposite. And she wrote herself into the comic book. It's her picture. It's her. (laughs) Seriously. And then they're talking uh, about letting her write a Batman series.
1: Look, I know uh, I used to look up to Batman as a child. And I saw the women that he used to get in different movies and shows. And if you change the character of Batman... I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a grown man now, but that next kid, he's not going to be as interested in that Batman. I, no. I guarantee you.
0: <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is Batman turned over to Damian Wayne, right? The son now, which is cool, right? Yeah. It was a great story arc. But the one thing, uh, there's another uh, YouTuber more famous than me. Uh, he goes by Young Ripper. Um, he does a lot of political comic book and uh, gaming. He's got a very good following. He's African-American gentleman, and he's a libertarian, says it for what it is. And even he calls out everybody who's starting to screw with this stuff and especially in that you know, situation where people are now getting writers to write stuff and I feel bad for your friend who is a writer. Um, you know, he, he calls it for what it is you know, that the one thing about comic book heroes, they may be white but they've been around forever. But the one thing that makes every genre, every culture appeal to them, not that they're white – it's that they're heroes first. <laughs> they have to overcome yes. a lot of diversity, a lot of craziness in their in their hero life and in their personal life. And they just happen – they're a hero that happens to be white, that has these issues, that people can relate to them, right? It's yeah. kind of hard to give me a overweight, emo, tattooed, whole nine-yard uh, thing – And then I'm supposed to relate that she's a hero on top of it. You can't put one before the other. I want the hero. I want the heroics. Then make her uh, appealing. right? I
1: I completely agree. And and look, I'm, I'm looking to partner with this individual and to come out with a comic book and a children's book that directly addresses many of these issues that we talked about today and put it in an easy, digestible format. Because what the Marxist socialists are trying to do like you said, they're hijacking our school system. And it starts with preschool. There's a preschool in Pennsylvania, in Lower Marion County or Lower Marion, Pennsylvania, that is teaching their uh, preschoolers and kindergartners to hate their culture because it's a predominant, it's a really good school district, predominantly white, but they're teaching them to hate their skin color, hate their parents for being successful and living in such a nice neighborhood, nice school district to, um, and if you're even not white, now we Indians, we're considered alt-white because we have the highest median income in the country. Number one, a, a close to $130,000 household income. And so we're now clumped in with white people as the alt-white. Right. And so it doesn't matter if now it's not just about white people. And you know what that does to a kindergartner? When you're telling them, hey, you know, you should hate your parents because they worked hard, they went to school, your mom's a doctor, your dad's a business person, and that's bad. The money that they make, the house that you live in—that's terrible. They live in an area where the natives used to live. That's their native land. That's not your house. That's not their land. To me, that's just ridiculous. The the self esteem that that you're telling such kids—you know—you're worthless. You're a bad person because you're white or because of something else. It's uh it's a major huge huge problem. And so uh, I, I think the hijacking of our of our uh, elementary schools, of our kindergartens, the preschools, I'm looking to fight back against that through the comic books, through the children's books. And then as far as the old Ben Shapiro stuff goes, look, I'd love for that to happen. I've actually tried it because 2020, I was in the media quite a bit. And I thought sitting senator, Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith of Mississippi came out publicly and there was news articles done about this saying you need to get on Fox News i want to get you on Fox News but conservative media is changing dramatically fox news has changed a lot from october to where we are today it's changed a lot and there's just a lot of things i don't have control over i have my podcast a work from home show and that's why i always say individualism if 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 you're going to be if you're going to wait around for someone to pick you and say you're good enough you just have to do it on your own and so how can people help me I'm going to be coming out with more stuff. Listen to the work from home show. There's a lot of good, good stuff there. And I'm hoping that things will take off in 2021, 2022 so that I can get my voice out there more, whether it's through the books, comic books, children's books, my podcast, or becoming a political commentator in the media. Uh, ben Shapiro. Look, those guys are on another level. Buck sucks. <laughs> like it's their yeah, full-time job.
0: Know, but you know what? That's, that's the dream, right? that's the dream to actually be able to be heard, be listened to. And you know, it's the dream.
1: Absolutely. So. It is. And, and I've sold more than 8,000 copies of my book, Trump book. I've gotten a lot of visibility, a lot of support, a lot of hate. That's good. 2020 has been a good year. And if you're not able to handle the hate, don't get into this. Go back to work in your full-time job and just stay quiet. And you can send me Twitter messages saying thank you for saying what I want to say. Perfectly okay with
0: that. All right. Well, let's do this. We'll end it here. I know this, we could go on forever. Politics is one of those things. But make sure I have all the information so I can put it in the description. And I want to thank you for being on the show. Just hold on for a minute. I want to talk to you after real quick. Say thank you. But uh, we'll... We'll see how this goes, and when we get some responses, maybe we can do a round two, and you can answer other people's questions. How about that one?
1: That sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. It was was a lot of fun.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Hold on real quick.